Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. All right. I I have to open up with an apology to everyone. Yeah. I left you hanging last week. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Yeah. So last week, I made the decision that we weren't going to record mm. uh, and said, don't worry about it, though. I'll record a little five-minute thing telling them we're not going to record. <laughs> And I did. It has been like the last month has just been. I'm going to get emotional just <laughs> saying how busy it's been. Oh, but that wasn't the reason. Mm. The reason is this: uh, as we work through these uh, various religions and just talking about different religions and their culture and their history. Uh, what they believe and, and how a Christian might approach them. Um, what we what we wanted to do is we wanted to start with those religions that are maybe most available mm. in in our area. Mm-hmm. One one of those that is really prolific in Ontario, uh, particularly, is is Sikhism, mm-hmm. right? Um. And and that community, the day before we were supposed to record, really got rocked with some pretty tough stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so what we're gonna do, or, or what we decided to do, what we decided to do is just give it a week out of respect, mm-hmm. right? We'll talk later on. It's very much a part of the history and culture, and yeah. and is yeah, for sure. making international waves uh, that could ripple in in serious ways. It's still very fresh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But what, what we didn't want to do, just like we did with when we talked about Islam, right? Mm-hmm. We're not Islamic. We are not Arabs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a Canadian and an American. We're Baptists. We're outside of these cultures. Mm-hmm. So for us to comment on these cultures is to acknowledge we're going to make mistakes along the way. Yep. For yeah, sure. that's what happens when outsiders comment on other people's cultures. Uh, we want to be gracious, mm-hmm. uh, but we recognize we're going to make mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to assume some level of understanding in that, mm-hmm. uh, that it, to a degree, as long as we're not just really pounding on people. Someone from another culture could hear us talk about their culture in such a way that they would shrug their shoulders and say, well... You kind of messed that up, but yeah, the basic idea is there. Yeah, we want to we want to get we want to give people a basic idea, yeah. understanding of yeah the history, culture, beliefs, traditions of these groups. Um, yeah, so that we can understand our neighbors better, and so that we can you know as we connect with them and engage with them, and 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 you know hopefully share our faith with them, um, we have a better understanding of of where they're coming from. Yeah, as well, right. And, and and acknowledging that when a, when a community is particularly reeling, it's not the best time to comment on them. Yeah. And and maybe those mistakes that might have otherwise been harmless just hit differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided we decided we'd give it a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I I stand by the call. Wish I'd have 
let you know last week that we were going to do that. Uh, but today we're gonna we're gonna talk about Sikhism. First mm-hmm. topic. Yes, right off the top. The pronunciation. Okay. Yeah. So my whole life, up until the last couple of days since this thing blew up on the news, I just thought it was Sikhs and Sikhism. That's the way I'd always heard it too. We did world religions class when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. So we studied, we kind of did a cursory overview of, uh, of some of the world religions and that's how it was taught to me. That's how I'd always heard it referred to Mm -hmm. in the news even until like very recently. So it's, it's, it sounds like someone within that community finally, you know, kind of spoke up and said, actually, guys, actually, that's not my name. That's not actually how you pronounce it. Um, so it seems right. Like just like when, you know, in those interpersonal relationships yep. where like, you know, you call someone Gary and their name's actually Jerry. And like, after like four years, they're like, actually, that's you not my name. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so we're going to endeavor to say sick and sickism or sicky as they right. uh, would often say it. Yeah. But I, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get it wrong a lot but i'm gonna try not to yeah yeah i mean if that's what they call it then that's what it should be called should, yeah right the goal exactly. is not the goal is not to be like pretentious and be like the no. will actually yeah uh just out out of respect for a people you know how yep. do you want me to say your name yeah right for sure. a shout out to all my friends and family in arkansas <laughs> arkansas it is okay so um I think we'll start with like the history. Well, actually, okay, just a, a few brief facts on the Sikh community. So they're the fifth largest religious group worldwide. Um, they're which one, is really surprising. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So fifth largest numerically. Uh, one of one of the most recent of the major world religions, still with a very long history, but but comparatively so. Um, there are. Um, hundreds of thousands of Sikhs in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, most of whom live in four cities. So they, they tend to kind of congregate in particular communities. Uh, closer to home here for us is Brampton. Um, and then out west, Surrey, Calgary, and Edmonton all have very like significantly large um, Sikh communities. Yeah, and so just as a visual, like... They're they're a faith that, by and large, not all mm-hmm. participate in the visual expressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're when when you're out and you see uh, someone who is from India, generally, mm-hmm. uh, unless they're a convert, but someone who is of that ethnicity uh, and and wearing a turban, the larger beard. Yep. Uh, sometimes you don't notice the long beard. We'll get into that later. But mm-hmm. sometimes the beard is actually really long, and you just can't tell. It's just pinned up nice and tight. Right, right. Uh, but but that is that is a, a sort of visual marker. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're thinking, I don't know if I would even know a, a sick person if I if I had seen one. Right. Yeah. You, you by and large, you would. Yeah. Typically, in in Canada, in North America, um, someone wearing a turban is is. 99% of the time are they're going to be sick. Mm-hmm. It's possible there are certain sects of Hinduism and other groups that also where men wear head coverings, but but just demographically, just the way it, because of the, the communities that are here and the communities that aren't here, it's 
it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, which which has been a problem for them being in North America. Yeah, being mistaken for other groups. Especially yeah. after 9-11, mm-hmm. there were a number of incidents where uh, there were attacks on uh, Sikhs and uh, the Sikh community out of Muslim hate. Yeah. And I- ironically, as we're going to see in, uh, in the history, the Sikhs actually were intensely persecuted by Muslims for right. most of their history. Right. So it's, 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 it's tragically ironic that they would also then take some heat for the acts of Islamic extremism. Yeah, and, and so it, it's, not like, it's not like these two things run similar paths or parallel-ish paths or they're from a similar place or background or branched off or anything like that. It, it's, it's mistakes of absolute ignorance. Right, right. Yeah. You saw a skin tone, you saw a turban, and you were like, "Well, that must mean," and it doesn't. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. Uh, yeah, really tragic. Yeah. So those who follow Sikhism are known as Sikhs, not Sikhs. I'm gonna. I've been good so far, Tim. We, we've done it so I've far. Been yeah, good so far. We, you know, it's funny that even after we before this, we had the conversation. Yeah, we were gonna say it, and then we were. I was like, when you look at it, it doesn't say Sikh. It says sick. Right. Like, why even reading it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know I don't what know. to tell you. I don't know. Uh, so, so the term actually means to, like, a disciple or student in their language. So it comes from the Punjabi word sikhi, which is like a verb, which means to learn. Right. So they're the learners or those who have learned or those who are learning. Um, so let's get into the history. So the founder of Sikhism was Guru Nanak Dev, who was born in what is now, today, um, Pakistan, in 1469, okay? Now, the political map of that part of the world uh, looked very different um, in that time and over the course of the last several centuries than it looks today. So a lot of the borders we see in that part of the world, you know, from... Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, and just Southern Asia in general is very different. But just for visual visualizing in modern day Pakistan in 1469. And um, <clears throat> the majority of the people in that part of the world um, will belong to one of two faiths. Um, historically, Hinduism had been there for a very long time, thousands mm-hmm. of years kind of thing. Um, since the rise of Islam about maybe 700 years before, they had uh, made some significant inroads, you know, eastwards into into Asia. So Guru Nanak Dev um, moved into the Punjabi province, of which is now in India, and worked for the government. And while he was working there, he had this spiritual experience where he just like disappeared into the wilderness for days. And when he reemerged, he famously stated... There's no Hindu, there is no Muslim, and then began his missionary work spreading this new religious philosophy throughout the region, traveling great distances. Um, So there's some mysticism kind of mixed in with the origins that this guy had a religious experience and was kind of leading a a third way Mm -hmm. uh, that was different from kind of the, the... you know, the Hinduism on one hand and Islam on the other. Yeah, even even like the mystical side of it, like he was believed to have been drowned for days right. on end. Yeah, like, they thought like, he was dead. Like not just like a day or two, but 
was out, uh, fell into the water, mm-hmm. didn't come back, and then uh, I, I want to say 20 days, but that's going to be my first time to overstep and say I didn't put that in my notes. I didn't put um, the amount of time in my notes. Either, yeah, and then he was gone for a while, and then and then appears mm-hmm. with this this new vision, uh, and and is referred to as the Guru, which mm-hmm. um, is not a name; it's a title. Mm-hmm. Think of it as in the same way that the the Hebrews would use the word rabbi. Yep. Right. It means the teacher or the expert. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, it's used across other faiths as well. Yeah, it is. So it's it's more tied to a regional dialect than it is to a religious office. Yeah, because there's gurus in in Hinduism and in, in other in some forms of Buddhism. Yes, yeah. that's right. So, um, yeah. So he was the first great. Um, great leader of Sikhism, the, the the founder, we should say. And before he died, though, he selected another one to succeed after him from among his students, who was Guru Angad. Uh, I'm going to get these, I'm going to do my best with pronunciations here, folks. But he, um, the second guru, claimed to be visited by a number of spiritual beings who were saints of different religious groups. Um, so, you know, claimed to be visited by, you know, different kind of demigods or, or famous people from, from various religious, other religious um, traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and he spent a great de- deal of energy kind of expanding institutions that kind of solidified the Sikh faith. So this is, again, a very new movement even at this point, but kind of schools and religious centers and that sort of thing, kind of starting to build some infrastructure. So this isn't just a group of people who all have, you know, a similar view and perspective of who God is, but there's actually, you know, they're, they're getting organized to some degree. Um, and they're just followed by a series of gurus who further kind of advanced and solidified the the message and the beliefs of Sikhism. Yeah, and and, and oftentimes multiples at a time, right? Like this, this isn't kind of a lineage of the papacy. Oh, no, it where is. Where you have... I, I, no, I had different notes than you. There's 10 gurus. There are, but there are there are other gurus uh, that aren't like pillar, right? Aren't the, would, yeah, okay, aren't, yeah, but yeah. but recognize. So so for instance, before he dies, he takes the the guys into the tent uh-huh. uh, who would volunteer. He one at a time comes out with a bloody sword after each one, but they uh-huh. all go in, and then they all appear. Um, and there's the mysticism even within the faith, right? Like right, right. were they slain and Right. Reborn, or were there goats hidden in the the tent? Who knows? Uh, that that's not derogatory. That's legitimately one of the mm-hmm. one of the claims. Um, and and so there are. I guess in this form, the issue of to compare it again to rabbi, there is still the one high priest. Right. But he's among the priests. Yeah. He's a part yeah. of the priesthood. Right. Yeah. There's a preeminent yeah. one, and then. But there's yeah you're right yeah there's, that's my that's my understanding yeah. on it I, I just didn't want someone to see the term guru and think oh you're a, a, a every time there's a guru yeah. they are yeah they are kind of speaking on behalf of this entire group no there but there were there's essentially ten who were considered to be kind of the yeah. the ten um, as kind of a successor right who would kind of follow after one after the other. Um, one of the defining factors, and we'll get more into the the specific beliefs next week, 
uh, when we get deep into the doctrine. But but it's something that affected their history was that they preached against the caste system of Hinduism and against certain practices that were common in Hinduism of the day, like killing female infants mm-hmm. or the practice of sati, where a Hindu wife um, essentially commits suicide by throwing herself upon the funeral pyre of her husband. So there were certain cultural things that were normal around them, the caste system being like a huge one that they spoke out against kind of from the beginning, which distinguished them from the people around them um, in significant ways. Um, the fifth of the, in this line of 10, um, Guru Arjan built the golden temple in Amritsar, which is like the preeminent holy site in Sikhism. Um, and like, it's gorgeous. Like if you look up pictures of it, the golden temple complex, like Mm -hmm. it is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful building. Um, and, uh, I had, I had seen pictures of it before, but I hadn't made the association that that was that was a temple complex specifically designated to the six. Um, yeah. So at this point too, they kind of, they start compiling writings together to, uh, you know, as the primary religious text of the faith. So up to this point, there are kind of the traditions of the teachers, but there hasn't been this solidified canon of, right. Of teaching that hasn't really come together yet. Um, that's not again. That will be that will be less surprising when we get to next week and talk about what the six believe, because it it's a bit amorphous. Is that fair to say amorphous? It's it's not. Yeah, it's not as rigidly defined as a lot of other religions would be. Right. Right. So so for example, um, they have. They have the five, what in English is called the five Ks. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't call it the five Ks. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would here with the Westernization, yeah. uh, which are which are outward expressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we'll talk more about them in the culture stuff. In the culture, uh, yeah. Okay. So, like, the basics are not cutting their hair, a wooden comb, a bracelet, a specific kind of undergarment. Uh, and a, a small sword or, or dagger that would be carried. Um, these are these are some outward expressions, but even as they're given, they're not told why. Mm. And so there's there's opportunity to look at them and sort of like, well, what does it mean to you kind of thing? So it, it, it's not nailed down, right? So when those things are given, it's not like you have to carry the sword because. Mm-hmm. So... It, it, some people are like, well, it means to defend justice, right? Or right, whatever, right. whatever it might mean for you, kind of a thing. There's a, a lot to be guessed at, and and even even in the way they look at, uh, they they are monotheistic, right? Which is another thing that separates them from Hinduism. from Hinduism. Yeah. Uh, but but even at that, they don't say, and this is who God is, right? They're saying these would be the attributes of God, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. Right, right. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fair to say, um, I think it's fair to say that it's it's not nailed down in mm-hmm. the same way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now, eventually, over time, um, there is increasing persecution 
of the Sikh community uh, by both Hindus and Muslims. And so they begin to establish kind of within their community a military force. Mm-hmm. Not not primarily for the purpose of expansion, but for self-defense. Because they are they are a numerically minor group. They 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 like compared to mm-hmm. these massive groups of people that they, they live among. Yeah, and, and you know, this is this to me is the most unfortunate thing inside of their culture is they're they're always this sort of outlier who doesn't really get place and time to do their own thing. Yeah. You know? So they're they're right on the border between India and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. They're in Punjab, which is now India. Mm-hmm. So um was there is there opportunity? We'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but they're even culturally they're they're seen and confused as Muslims. The the religion is is pretty misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Like whereas we're we had a hard time nailing down like this is exactly uh the solidification. I, I've sat down with six to talk about their faith mm-hmm. uh and, and still came out with that kind of a feeling. I, I feel like there's there's always this sort of like they're they're a huge group, right? Mm-hmm. We're not we're not talking about some like side hustle kind of cult thing that's just right. not fitting into their local community. We're mm-hmm. talking about a massive people group, yeah, right? Fifth largest in the world, yeah, and still just sort of always on the move, never mm-hmm. really having their own place to do their own thing. Yeah, it's tricky though because again, there's so many people who live in that part of the world. So today. You know, fifth largest, fifth largest religious group in the world. They still only make up like three percent of India's population. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's just a different world there. Like, it's hard yeah. to it's hard to wrap our minds around what that looks like. What yeah, that, yeah, what that looks like. Right? Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, even historically, yeah, true. It, it seems yeah. to have always been a part of their story that they were always sort of the restless wanderers who never yeah. really and, got their time and under the thumb of somebody else. Right. 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 Um. Yeah, so I mean, there were there are times, interestingly enough, where um, sometimes the Hindus would not be um, always persecuting them. Sometimes they'd actually be coming to them for protection from conversions uh, by Islamic powers in the region. So around around this time, or throughout this time, I should say, the the Mughal Empire has kind of arisen out of Central Asia and is an Islamic empire that ends up controlling like all of all of what is now Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, like massive empire. Uh, don't they don't get a ton of press uh, just in in history classes for whatever reason, but significant significant group. And so the the Sikhs or the Sikhs rather are trying to grow and develop and you know figure out their own identity and and survive underneath this very oppressive, um, empire that is ruling over them, and uh, the final, the final guru. So the final of the ten gurus, I should mm-hmm. say, was uh, Guru Gobind Singh, who um, took over when his father, who had been the ninth guru, was was killed, uh, was essentially uh, murdered by by representatives of the of the Mughal Empire. Um, he then led them through some some conflict. Um, helped kind of solidify the the six as a people. Um, he kind of declared 
the the holy text, which had not, had been kind of circulating as the ultimate authority of the their faith. Um, they actually refer to the their scriptures as Guru Granth Sahib. Right. So like it's a living guru. So like their text is like a guru, which mm-hmm. might sound strange, but it's it, we talk about you know we talk about the Bible as being living and active, right? Right. So it's actually not that foreign a concept. Yeah, We whereas we would, uh, the difference would be we call it a work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So the personification is on the Holy Spirit who inspired the text, and this is the evidence of his work amongst right. his people, Yeah. Uh, and not itself personified right? in such a way that uh, even, even ceremonially, the book gets treated as you would treat a great leader, right? Yeah. Like with a fan and that sort of thing, right, just to sort right. of acknowledge it as a, a living, uh, almost being. Right. It's like been personified to yeah. that degree, right? Um, bef- and then this this final, the final guru was also stabbed by assassins um, and died of his wounds a few weeks later. So this is, becomes a very common thing of like, leaders of their community being assassinated by those over them. Um, which, again, has some modern parallels. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, So his successor at that point, so he's the last of the big gurus. So after that, that that's kind of that era of Sikh history is over. Um, his successor is not so much a religious leader as much as a military leader. Uh, Banda Singh Bahadur, um, and so he he finally stands up to this Mughal Empire and establishes a, a kingdom really of his own that's led by Sikhs, which also you know included um, other peoples. But for the there, there is a window where there is a bit of an opportunity um, where where they can have some have some space themselves. Um, very briefly, they get another shot later. It's a little bit longer, um, but but yeah. So I mean, some of the times too, like what's happening is like, so they might rise up, and then the Mughal emperor, you know, defeats them in battle, and then declares all Sikhs must uh, convert to Islam or die. And there were times where in the province of Punjab and the surrounding areas, like these Mughal emperors would put a literally put a price on the head of every Sikh. So like, you bring back more heads, like we'll pay you. We'll pay you more. Like it. It mm-hmm. was that the persecution right. was that severe for for parts of their parts of their history. Um, that brief window I, I talked about. The, so from 1799 to 1849, there's this 50 year window where they do actually kind of carve out right a bit of a kingdom for themselves. Yeah, and, and oftentimes it's referred to as the Sikh Empire. Yeah, and and if you heard that, you'd be like, oh. "Those boys missed the missed the ball on that one, right? Yeah. Swing and a miss. They <laughs> they had their own empire. What are you talking about? I yeah, it empire reg- is an interesting term. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I don't I don't know why it constitutes the imperial tag. I, I normally when we think of the imperial tag, you think of uh, one people group mm-hmm. who conquer multiple people groups, right? Right. And bring them under control, the, right? The Roman Empire. We're or, not talking the Ottomans. Yeah, we're not talking the British or yeah. the Spanish. Yeah, uh, we're we're talking um, portions of Pakistan. Yeah, uh, which in and of itself is not a huge country. 
No, no. And those right. were still like, and the, the historical Punjabi territory, part of it was in Pakistan. It wasn't just yeah. in India, but we'll, we'll get to that. In right, a right. And, and, but, but just to say, like, it wasn't an empire. The, the word empire does not need to cause you to think, like, yeah, it spanned no. into, you no. know, China, across India and into China and almost to Mongolia before it was shut down, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like that at all. It's no. a, it's a, a reasonably a regional small power. place. Yeah, a regional yeah. power. Yeah. And that essentially came to an end, though, after the British arrived. Um, they were essentially the last region in that area to fall to the British. Um, if, under British rule, it, it went better for the six than some other groups under British rule for reasons that you just might expect. Um, just it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it was a difficult time and, and the Brits didn't really, I mean, British empire kind of everywhere they went, they kind of messed things up to some degree and caused some, caused some problems. And I could say that as someone with deep British roots, uh, I, yeah, they, they were not the, you know, they weren't always Mm -hmm. the most sensitive to the cultures in which they (laughs) interacted with. Um, so anyways, but, but there were, I mean, there were six who fought on the side of the British empire during the world wars. Um, so it was not like, this was not, you know, there was, there was some degree of cooperation. Um, things changed dramatically when India achieved its independence from the British empire, because when that happens, Punjab, like the heartland of the Sikh people is divided and some of it ends up in Pakistan, which will be a, a Muslim nation. And the rest of it is in India, which is a Hindu nation. Right. So what essentially happened almost right away is the overwhelming majority of Sikhs moved to the par- the part of the territory that went with India because there was still going to be persecution, but it was going to be lighter persecution in India than it would in Pakistan. Again, for, you know, for reasons. Um, so <clears throat> things, there are some struggles, you know, that, that exist post-World War II between the Sikh people and India, but it's, things are pretty good up until the 80s. And the eighties are when things go sideways as far as the relationship between, and, and, the, and it's very modern, but between the Sikh people and the Indian government. I, I'm just going to inject yeah. a fun fact. I, I was doing a quick search through, uh, through that little section. Yeah. Uh, the Sikh empire, m- slightly larger than Ontario. Okay. As okay. far as a landmass. Okay. So sizable. Right. Yeah. Okay. But That's good to know. but not uh, not what we think of as empire. No. No. Okay. Yeah. So in the the 1980s, there this movement uh, amongst some of the sick people uh, kind of gained some momentum, and they, what essentially they were doing is they were demanding a separate, independent sick state mm-hmm. um, that would would become come to be known as Khalistan. Now this. Khalistan has never really been realized. No, it's it's a more of a concept at this point than than a, than a real thing. Yeah, and, and you could see where this would be birthed from. Yeah, right. Like as we were saying, they were always kind of the the middle roaming kind of person. And when you're going to divide up the British Empire, mm-hmm. and you're going to give you know 
a, a religious group, Pakistan, mm-hmm. you're going to give a religious group their portion of India. Mm-hmm. It makes sense historically to say, and this Punjab region can stay with the six and, uh, and <laughs> then they would just be unfortunately nestled between these two right. enemies. Right. Right. Because if you know anything about that border, Oh yeah. Between it, it is a constant battle, mm-hmm. a, a constant battle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if, if this had been recognized, it could have been worse, right? Like you could have, Oh yeah. You could have had them, you know, battling on on two sides, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not that it would completely split the border, but there would be a triangulation where the, all three would come together, and that would mm-hmm. be a tough spot. Yeah, yeah, which is part of the reason why uh, the Indian establishment had zero interest in allowing this sort of thing to occur. Because not only is it giving up some of their land uh, to this minority group of people, but it's doing so right along the edge Mm -hmm. of the border with their mortal enemy, Pakistan, right? right? In 1984, a group of um, these six who we we could, we could say were politically radicalized. Like they were, they, they had a mission. They wanted, you know, they wanted this independence. They actually took over a part of that golden temple complex. Um, So they, they, they kind of took, you know, they were armed and they took control of this, this temple to kind of begin setting up this like new institution. They're, we're going to create our own independence here. And essentially, um, the prime minister of India just got the army to attack this place. So it would almost be like, if you had like, I'm trying to think of something like if you had like Catholic, Catholic separatists decide that they're going to go like hang out in the Vatican city. And then like the military just starts blowing up the Vatican. Right. Like it's, it's, it's pretty, it was, a, it upset people a lot. Mm-hmm. Not just that they were opposed and that people were killed, but that the Indian army, you know, d- significantly damaged their most holy site. Right. Right. In order to, and, and like the degradation of, of slaying people in a holy place. Yeah. Right. It, it's a, it's a hard thing. And, yeah. and, this level of persecution has been just so much a part of their story. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not persecution in the same way um, that maybe presuming that everyone who listened to this is a, is Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, when we talk about Christian persecution in in foreign lands, a lot of times our thought is if you're found out to be a Christian. Mm. then there's a death sentence, mm. right? It, it's not that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's more like um, if you're a Christian, just shut up and keep it to yourself and don't cause any waves mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the hand that they've lived under uh, that has been problematic mm. um, for, for the more of the modern era. Mm-hmm. These separatists have been... A bit of the exception, right? Which which makes both the Indian government and the Sikh who are not participating in a separatist ideology very nervous. Yeah, yeah. Well, what happens right like not long after this this attack on the Golden Temple is that the Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi um, ends up getting assassinated 
by two of her bodyguards who were six. Mm -hmm. And then in response to that, there is retaliation in the streets. And there's like one of the words that I I read in in some of the articles was pogroms. Like these were like people just, especially in places where, you know, maybe where the six were a, a majority, they were relatively safe. But if you were, you know, if you had moved to Delhi or Calcutta, for example, and you were, you know, uh, a minority group in, in those communities, like there are people getting dragged in the street and killed mm-hmm. just in response immediately to this assassination. Right. And it doesn't matter what you did. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you supported it or not. Yeah. We're, and, and, and maybe in part, there's something inside of the human condition that, like we've mentioned, they're so Id- visually identifiable mm-hmm. that there's just, that's the opportunity to make the statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so then what kind of, and then there is kind of in response to that retaliation, there's like a bit of a guerrilla war kind of thing amongst the radical groups and and the military and kind of counter radicals. And it, it kind of goes on for a few years in the Punjab mm-hmm. region until things things kind of quiet down, um, you know, in the 90s and and have remained relatively quiet since that's not to say everyone's happy with how things are but but Mm -hmm. the you know it's kind of like the you know how the situation in ireland there were the troubles right and now we're not in the troubles but that doesn't mean everyone's like fully happy with how things played out yeah it's kind of that but in but in india there's actually there's actually more parallels between that that scenario and this one than i than i initially realized uh so if people are familiar with with that like there's there's a lot of commonalities but yeah and in part in part because it's not that long ago and there are a lot of people who have living memory of these kinds of atrocities Mm -hmm. right and bitterness harbored that um maybe future generations won't hold Mm -hmm. uh but there there is living memory of this oh yeah and and in some ways uh the flames haven't entirely died out yeah Right, so in uh, in October of 1977, mm-hmm. two years before I was born, uh, there was a man born in the Punjab area uh, named Hardeep Singh Najjar. Okay, right. Um, in he lives there through the massacre uh, and. Decides he's going to come to Canada, takes a couple stabs at it, um, has some some trouble, tries marrying a Canadian. It's fairly well known that he's marrying for for citizenship, citizenship and yeah. it's it's denied. Uh, he he comes with falsified papers, that sort of thing. But eventually, he's received into Canada um, as as a Canadian citizen. And settles in the group that you mentioned in uh, Surrey, BC, right? Uh, Hardeep is a leader not only locally of some of the largest and most influential um, gatherings there, but some international groups, mm. and is seen as a supporter, a modern day supporter of Khalistan. Mm-hmm. And, and separating for Khalistan, mm-hmm. accused by the Indian government of various kinds of insurrections to this end, 
Um, he's he's spent some time kind of going back and forth. The the thing that we have before us now, what we know at this point, um, or or what is being reported at this point, is that uh, last week there were or, or weeks prior to that, sorry, weeks prior to that, there were some conversations apparently being had between Canadian secret services and uh, authorities in India okay. that his life was being threatened mm. as a, a, a political activist in a separate a religious separatist movement, mm-hmm. labeled a terrorist um, for that. And the Canadian government is saying that they reached out to the Indian authorities and said, he's a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil this better not happen. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last week, week before last, he comes out of the temple and is shot by two gunmen dozens of times. Mm. Uh, they escaped. No one has been arrested. No one is in custody uh, at this point for that. Um and because of the conversations that had taken place beforehand, because the Indian government had named him a terrorist for supporting this separatist movement, um, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, in the House of Commons, publicly calls out India wow. as being uh, this being a political assassination mm-hmm. of a Canadian on Canadian soil which is an attack on sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the Sikh community in Canada came out almost immediately saying, since the 80s, since we came here after the massacre, which is when a lot of the, um, the uh, migration happened, the Indian government has been doing sort of like remote police works, undercover kind of things there there's been uh china has been accused of this in both the u.s and in canada right of having like national police stations in other people's countries that are just sort of undercover right um and and they're saying the Sikh community uh is alleging that india has been doing the same and no one has been listening Mm. until uh harip najar was assassinated yeah um and and so that is the hurt that came last week. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to side either way. I'm a pastor. I'm not a member of Secret Service. Right. I have no idea <laughs> whether or not those conversations took place. Right. I have no idea what's going to come of this. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I know is this: if it would be weird for a secret Canadian Secret Service to lie, it would be about this. It'd and, be a weird thing to lie about. And when you look at the the number of uh, immigrants in this country from India, mm-hmm. Sikh or Hindu, mm-hmm. right? And the dependency economically that we have here in Canada with India, mm-hmm. you got to know before you're going to say something like that, is my opinion. Right. Right? You don't just Throw toss that, that out and see where it lands. Yeah. Right, we're because this has this has huge ripple effects, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, um, India right now is one of the last marginal supporters of the Russian economy. 
mm-hmm. right? And so in this whole like, well, Russia and China, what if they do their thing and then the rest of the world has to try to like, mm-hmm. you know, it's the sanctions and all that kind of stuff. You could just throw India right in there where they're just like, you know what? Forget you, mm-hmm. right? And all of a sudden these things start getting ramped up and yeah. and, and that's why other countries, Canadian, Canada's best friends, US, Australia, mm-hmm. the UK are saying India should participate in an investigation and if it's not a thing, it's not a thing. Mm. And that's as far as they're willing to go. Right. They haven't commented on any kind of they don't want to information their trade deals, yeah. Uh they so yeah. so this is this is still mm-hmm. a very delicate situation. Yeah. And I think and a the, very interesting one to follow, yeah, the, I think. The thing the thing that I found interesting as I kind of dug into to this situation is, you know, they're they're kind of even the C B C was sending reporters to uh, Punjab and and the sense they were getting is you know a lot of the the Sikh community there aren't even really kind of hoping for striving right. for right. this whole idea of independence in Khalistan. Um, but then what's what some of the Sikh communities in in places like Canada and the U.S. and the U.K. for example, which all three countries have particularly large uh, Sikh communities, um, what those people are saying is saying well. They're just afraid of draconian measures, right? The people, our yeah. relatives yeah, yeah. in India, don't want to get crushed under the boot of the Indian government, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's because we're here in these Western nations where we have political freedom, where we understand this idea of and appreciate this idea of you know self autonomy, that you know we feel safe enough to speak up and say the things that you know our fellows back home can't say, and so then you know, but it's 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 tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. And also probably the people who felt like they had the most to lose and needed to flee the most were probably those who were most outspoken by these movements. So that could be why a, there's immigration. Well, in, that, yeah, but, but those the, people. The, the, that the people who emigrated here may have felt more strongly about the independence and that's why right, they, right, right. they left. Right. Like, so Anyway, so there's all these factors involved. So, and and again, we're not experts on it. We've just kind of dipped our toes into the water of, of the story of these people that has you know now is playing kind of front and center, here close to home. Right? Yeah, and th- and that's where I would say, on this, don't let the news cycle sort of move on for you, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what the algorithm is just going to take up the next news cycle, yeah. right? and and it's going to get it's going to get its 15 minutes, and then it's going to move on. I, I would encourage you not to let that happen, right? Like if you keep keep with it, the story's gonna keep going. Um, because you're absolutely right. Like where where are people on Khalistan? Like mm-hmm. at the heart. Mm-hmm. Those I, I saw like you, I, I saw a number of those interviews with uh six in Punjab that are like, nobody here is talking about this. Right. Right? We just wanna live peaceably amongst mm-hmm. these people. If this is going on, the question is, are they living peaceably? Mm. Right? Are you living peaceably or are you only at peace because you're under the sword mm-hmm. kind of a thing, right? Right. So there's there's a question around the group that says, what is the modern level of persecution inside of India? Right. Right? Yeah. Are they Are they persecuted in such a way where it's like, well, no, you can't form a separatist state, right? Which is hardly persecution. Yeah, that's and unless reasonable, unless you are someone who believes that it's inherent within the faith 
which historically wasn't. Yeah. Um, and or is it one of those situations where it said we've given you we've given you this much, mm-hmm. you get nothing else. Mm-hmm. And we can take that away from you as well, mm-hmm. which is more reasonably mm-hmm. persecution. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really hard to say because and, most supporters, according to the, the research that, that I did, most of the people who support a Khalistan, a separatist movement, mm-hmm. are not living in India. Right. They're foreigners. The people living there are saying, stop it because you're making the pressures greater on us. Right. Because the more they speak up about this potential independence, mm-hmm. right? Like the Indian government, at least up until recently, you know, they're gonna, if anyone's going to feel the wrath, it's going to be the people within their own borders. Right. They're going to be the ones under investigation yeah. and all those kinds of yeah. things. So it's, it's, and, a very, it's a very strange situation. Mm-hmm. And you can, it's one of those where you can kind of feel for all sides involved, mm-hmm. right? And like people, even without taking a side, yeah. you can kind of it maybe not feel, but logically see points for all sides involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people might people might um, struggle to see the Indian government this way because if there's any kind of national figure that we associate with India, it's Mahatma Gandhi, and you're like, how could the country of Mahatma Gandhi do this? Well, two things: one, Gandhi wasn't as great as people make him out to be sometimes uh, still in favor of the caste systems caste system still hated the untouchables um, all that and in more recently the the dominant political party in India the BJR I believe it's called is uh, deeply rooted in a movement known as well referred to as Hindu nationalism and so that is why if you know any Christian missionaries who are in India, they might have come home recently, right? Or their their um, ministries may be getting shut down, and all of a sudden, a place that has a a rich history of Christian mission. There are millions of Christians in India, uh, but any kind of foreign help and foreign assistance, foreign aid that is that is Christian is being systematically shut down in India. Yeah, because right. of this this political movement that is um, holding power, and so. Um, yeah. Again, these these things are connected in in that way, even right based right. on the predominant view. The way the way the the sitting government has brutally attacked mm-hmm. Christians mm-hmm. in the country, um, Tear Fund has been doing some work there and is is trying to bring this uh, to the forefront pushing some of the news, uh, but there's very little news coming out about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these major massacres against Christians in India do lend some credibility to the sick argument that they are being persecuted inside of the con- their country, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a tricky, it's a very convoluted situation, and there's many sides to, to every story, but, um, yeah, things are, things are not... It's not great in India right now. Right. right. All right. Well, next week we're going to talk more about the faith. Yeah. Uh, what it is that they believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of commonalities, a lot of common places where Christians can have a foot in the door to be like, hey, yeah. you believe that? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Right? Sure. Um, and And then, obviously, divergences along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... 
Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with Gospel Coalition of Canada. And it's produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. See you.